everybody and welcome to our Sunday morning worship service here in the Bronx region, a part of the New York City Church of Christ. Can you guys believe it is already December? Man, I love this time of year. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. And uh, many of you probably remember that Christmas song. Uh, it was called The Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, Tony, sing a verse for us. Well, I'm not going to do that this morning because I want you all to come back next Sunday. And I'm sure the last thing you guys need me to do this Sunday morning is start singing. Amen. But today I want to just talk about, you know, as we continue on in our Sunday sermon series entitled Finish Strong, I'll be talking about true worship, right? Just how important it is for us to worship. And what does that even mean uh, to worship, right? So if you have your Bibles, if you can turn over with me over to John chapter 4, we're going to start in uh, verse 19. And so this morning, um, as you're turning over, I only have two points. Yep, two today. And so, uh, so they'll be short, uh, but we have two points. Uh, my first point is going to be true worship. And my second point is going to be about his will. And so over in John chapter 4, starting in verse 19, Scripture reads, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth, right? And so we see here the, the backdrop of the lesson today is Jesus talking to this, to this lady and he's explaining to her worship, right? She had the mindset of, hey, we need to worship on this mountain. And we're going to go into that a little bit uh, today just to understand where her mindset was. But today, as, and we'll mainly be in the book of John, but just to kind of give a little backdrop on the book of John, right? So the book of John is the last book uh, of the Gospels that was written, but the book of John was probably written about 50 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So there's a perspective that's going to take place that you'll see in the book of John that doesn't happen in any of the Gospels, right? But also in the book of John, you see where uh, John really helps us to see from uh, in Nicodemus and, and John chapter 3 and early on in the book. Uh, the book of John breaks down just the characters of people, but it also shows you the character of Jesus. So we see everything from the religious, uh, the way they worship, to just the sinful and the way they worship. And so we'll mainly be in the book of John this morning. And so uh, that word worship, 
right? We see here that Jesus is, is telling this young lady, hey, the true worshipers, they're going to worship uh, the Father in spirit and truth, right? Uh, sometimes that word can elude us. That word worship, it literally means a reverent honor and homage paid to God, right? That's what it is. It's this honor that we give to God, but it's a reverent honor, right? It's, it's one that's heartfelt. It's coming from our heart. And it's an homage that needs to be paid to God, right? For all that he's done. That's why we worship. That's what worship is. Because I know for many of us, you know, we can think worship takes place in the church building. Worship takes place on Sunday and Wednesday. But true worship takes place from the time you open your eyes. That's when we should start paying homage to God. Just thanking him for waking us up today. Right? And so my first point, we're going to look at the true worshipers. Right? Over in verse 20 and 21 of what we just read, um, scripture reads, Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when we will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And here we see that Jesus is, is explaining more about worship to this, to this young lady, right? We get to see in verse 20 and 21 that the Samaritans, they believe, which is what this lady was, they believe that worship had to take place on Mount Moriah, right? The Jews uh, believe that worship um, needed to take place uh, on Mount Gerasim in Jerusalem. And so you have these two different people, right? Now, the Samaritans were a mixed breed of people. And so they were Jews and Gentiles. And so they were looked down on. And so they had their way of thinking when it came to worshiping God. The Jews, on the other hand, were the chosen people. And so they believed that worship should be taking place in Jerusalem, right? Not on Mount Moriah. And so here we see two different people trying to worship God two different ways. Jesus tells her uh, that a time is coming and a time has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father um, neither on either one of these mountains, right? So why am I talking about all this? Because a lot of times we as disciples today, we can get so caught up in where we worship that we forget who we worship. And that is what Jesus is reminding this lady. It's not about where you're worshiping, right? Because a lot of times, uh, man, we can feel like, man, we need to be in a building worshiping. We can feel like, you know what, man, we need to be uh, in a certain place worshiping. And Jesus is saying, that's not the case anymore, right? In the Old Testament, that was, but now that Jesus is on the scene, he's saying, no, that's not the case anymore, you know? And so I want to encourage us this morning as we start talking about worship, don't get so caught up in where we're worshiping, right? Is it at a school? Is it a hotel? Is it a church building? Don't get so caught up in where we're worshiping that we forget who we're worshiping, you know? Do we ever just take the opportunity to worship God, you know, uh, every morning 
whether it's in your bed or in your shower, or have we become selective worshipers? Meaning we do it when we're in certain places, right? I'll pay God the homage, this reverent homage that it, it talks about is the meaning of worship. I'll do that on Sunday mornings. I come to church ready to worship on Sunday morning. But what about every morning? What about the time you wake up before you go to sleep as you walk along the road? Are you paying homage at that point as well? Because see, I believe we need to take every opportunity to worship God, right? We, we can't be selective in, in when and how and where we worship. Turn over with me to John 3.16, right? So we can get a better understanding of why we do this. Um, because many of us were brought up in church and a lot of us was taught, hey, uh, man, you come to church to worship, right? And so, but God, Jesus just explained, that's not the case, right? Yeah, we do go to church so that we can worship, but that's not the only place we worship. Over in John chapter 3, starting in verse 16, it reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Right? This explains to me why we worship. Right? We worship because God did something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. It says he gave up his one and only son so that we, you and I, can have eternal life. So that we can spend eternity with him. Now, I don't know about you, but man, it's hard giving up anything. Right? Especially this time of year. We give presents. But imagine someone coming to your house and saying, hey, every present that you have under your tree, even the ones for your kids, I'm going to need to take them and I need to go give them to someone else. Right. Someone who may not even deserve these presents. Man, imagine how we would feel. You're not getting all these presents now. you can have one or two, but you're not getting all. Hey, my baby been waiting for this present all year. This is what my son or my daughter asked for. This is what my husband or my wife wanted. And I'm, we're finally able to get it for them. Well, this is what Jesus is talking about here. It says, you know, uh, Jesus gave up his son, his one and only son, something he loved more than anything in the world for you and I who didn't deserve it. <clears throat> you know, I want to talk for a second about a guy in the Bible named Nicodemus, right? So Nicodemus was this religious guy that had an encounter with Jesus. And I want to compare a little bit about the encounter Nicodemus had with Jesus along with the encounter that this lady just had with Jesus on worship, right? Because here we'll, we'll get a chance to see the religious, uh, the religious mindset, which was Nicodemus, and also the sinful mindset, which was this woman who had, you know, uh, you know, Jesus tells her about her whole life, how she'd been with several men, and uh, and we'll see her mindset, you know, because as we look at why we worship, uh, we look at what Jesus did, what God did for us. He gave up His Son, and I'll just say, as a father, I love all my kids. I love both of my kids. 
right? I love my son. I love my daughter. You know, and if you have kids, you, you can probably relate a little bit more to what I'm about to share right now, right? As a father, we love our kids, the ones that's respectful, obedient, kind, gentle, that's giving. We, we love them, but we also love our kids who sometimes may be disobedient, not so kind, not so loving, right? <clears throat> Maybe disrespectful. I don't love one more than the other. And that's the love that God showed us, right? He, he loved Nicodemus, who was a religious guy, but he also loved this sinful woman, right? He loved them both the same. Why? Because he wanted them both to be able to experience eternal life. He wanted them both to be able to experience eternity with him. And he hasn't changed. He wants you and I, regardless of whether you are a religious person or if you are a sinful person, God loves you the same. So much so that he was willing to give up his son for you and I. You know, in John 13, 34, you know, the scripture tells us to love each other like this, right? The scripture says, a new command I give you, love as I loved you. That is how uh, we're supposed to love each other. How? The way God loved us. He loved us so much that he was willing to give up any and everything. This is what worship is. Are we willing and prepared to give up any and everything, right? Are you prepared to give up your sleep? Are you prepared to give up your time? Are you prepared to give up your money? Are you prepared to give up relationships so that you can give God the reverent honor that he so deserves, right? Because sometimes it's hard to give up those things. It's hard to give up sleep, right? When those covers are weighing 300 pounds and it's hard to throw them off of you in the morning. It's hard when you work overnight and, uh, man, and you should be getting up, uh, spending time with God. It is hard to give up those things. But God is calling us to give them up. Why? Because he did. He set the perfect example for us. Scripture tells us that true worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. You know, Jesus helps this young lady to see that she shouldn't be focused on just worshiping on this mountain. But worshiping, in fact, worshiping Jesus, it's 24-7. It's seven days a week, you know. And we can be that way today, you know. We can put a lot of emphasis on our Sunday morning worship, on our Wednesday night worship services. But I think God is changing our thought process when it comes to this. Because now we can worship alone, but we can also worship collectively. Um, with this coronavirus, God has changed the world. He's changed our thinking when it comes to worship, right? Because now we're without excuse. Now we can worship virtually, right? Imagine trying to tell this woman uh, back then, hey, you'll be able, there'll be a time when you can worship virtually, right? You, can, you guys will be able to worship God virtually. That would have been unthought of. But today we get that opportunity that we can worship God virtually. So we are literally without excuse. We can jump on Zoom. We can get on FaceTime together. And so we don't have to worry about, oh, I can't make it to church because I'm still in traffic. Oh, I can't make it to Bible talk and worship with the body of believers, you know, because, man, I'm just too tired to drive across town. 
when now all we have to do is type in a few numbers and we are all together. God has made worshiping him so much more easier. And now he's expecting the true believers to worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, over in John chapter 6, this is what the scripture says in verse 44. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. See, our worship is because God has called us. God has drawn us, right? John chapter 15, verse 16 says, you, I'm sorry, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. You know, I've always thought that me worshiping God was about my heart. I've been wrong, you know, for years. Me worshiping God has always been about God, right? It hasn't been about me. It's been about God. Scripture reminds me that I didn't choose God. It says God chose me, right? And he appointed me. But God also chose you. So if you're here this morning, if you're watching this message, it's because of God's love. It's because God chose you and God appointed you to be right where you are right now. It's no coincidence that you're here, whether this is your first time or whether you've been here for 30 plus years, right? It was because God chose you, right? And, uh, you know, just as Jesus came to this village and talked to this, sim this sinful woman, um, it was because he loved her, right? You are here because God came to you because he loves you and he doesn't want to see you perish, but he does want you to worship him, to pay honor to him in truth and in spirit. Over in John chapter four, verse 24 through 26, right? We're gonna look a little bit about this truth and spirit. In John chapter 4, verse 24, it says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, who's called the Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. You know, God says this same exact thing. Um, in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses says, who should I tell them uh, sent me? And God says, tell them I am sent you, right? See, this the spirit that God is talking about is the I am, right? God is the I am. He's the great I am. This is the same I am that I'm going to show you in a few passages in John where he shows you he is the I am who is the spirit. In John chapter 8, verse 24, it says, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, right? And I've read this so many times rushing through it, 
And it, I've always read it as, if you do not believe that I am he, uh, you will do it. God is letting us know that we will die in our sins if we don't believe in him, who is the I am, right? It starts with our belief. Over in John chapter 8, verse 58, it says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. God is letting us know the spirit was even before Abraham. Abraham. The spirit has always been there from the beginning. In John chapter 1, verse 1, we see that the spirit was there before anything was formed. And now God reminds us of that. In John chapter 8, verse 28, so Jesus said, when you have, lift, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Here we see that the Spirit, God, and the Son works together, right? Jesus reminds us, he says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, which is Jesus, he says, then you will know that I am, right? Now we see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity coming together. This is why it's so important that as we worship, we understand the why, but we also understand who, right? The true worship, right? He's letting us know that when we worship in spirit and in truth, this is what he's talking about in spirit, right? Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they're all one. And Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? When you lift me up, then you will know, right? It's when we die to ourselves. It's when we become true disciples, true followers of God. This is when we understand uh, the beginning of what that means. Over in John chapter 13, verse 19, it says, I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am, right? And this is John reminding people of what Jesus said. Jesus is, is allowing us now today to understand that, hey, before it happens, before he comes back, he says, man, I, I need you guys to understand and believe that I am, right? He is the spirit as well, right? Because we can look at Jesus as this man who comes to forgive our sins. We can look at Jesus as the savior of the world. We can look at Jesus as this carpenter. We can look at Jesus as many different things, but how often do we look at Jesus as the great I am? How often do we look at Jesus as one with the father, as one with the spirit, right? This is why it's important as we worship that we understand. Lastly, in John 18, verse five, it says, I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. Now, this is an important scripture, and I'm sure we've probably read this several times, and, and it's, but it's easy to overlook what's taking place here. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, I am he. And a lot of times we forget what, who that I am is, right? Because I'm sure Judas is thinking, oh, He's talking about uh, he's going to be the next king that 
that, you know, takes over Jerusalem. That's not what Jesus is referring to here. Jesus is referring to the same passage as we see in Exodus 3. This passage translates right back to Exodus when God says he is the I am. Jesus is letting Judas know this is who he is as well. Judas didn't get it. Judas thought Jesus was just an ordinary person, an ordinary man, even though he'd seen all the miracles that Jesus had done. Is that how we look at Jesus today as we worship? Is Jesus just some guy uh, in the stories in the Bible? Or is he the I am? Right? I pray that this morning as we continue on, that we will see Jesus as the I am. I want to transition into my second point, the will of him, right? Because if he's the I am, man, it's important that we understand his will for us. Or how can we worship in truth, right? As we just looked at worshiping in the, in the spirit, we understand that this is why as we worship Jesus, we will truly be worshiping in spirit. But over in John chapter 4, verse 27 through 34, it says, Jesus then, <clears throat> um, just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. Right? Imagine that. Hey, Jesus, what are you doing over there with that lady? It says, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Nobody asked him that question. They're all thinking it. Kind of like we are today as we read scriptures. We have these questions, but sometimes we can be afraid to ask why did that happen or what's up with that but in verse 28 it says then leaving her water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people come see a man who told me everything I ever did could this be the Messiah they came out of the town and made their way toward him meanwhile his disciples urged him rabbi eat something but he said to them I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have bought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his works. Right? My second point is the will of him. Now we see here, Jesus, you know, as, as he talked to this lady at the well, and he tells her everything about her life. You know, uh, you guys remember the passage. It talks about how, you know, how Jesus reminded her, no, uh, you don't have a husband. In fact, you have five husbands. You've been, you've been with five husbands, right? And Jesus reminds her. Now, remember I was sharing earlier about how we had Nicodemus, who was this religious one who invited Jesus into, uh, Jesus invited himself into Nicodemus' home. And Nicodemus was asking him, hey, how can I be born again? I'm already old. I can't re-enter my mom's womb. And Jesus explained to him, no, you must be born with water and spirit. And so Nicodemus didn't understand at first. Now he's talking to this sinful lady um, later on uh, in the Bible. And he's explaining to her almost the exact same thing. Hey, listen, uh, man, the, the fact is you lived a sinful life. You need to stop sinning and, uh, and go get right. But then he, he closes out. He tells them, he says, you know, as he's talking to his disciples, he says, my food 
said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. Who's that him? The him is the great I am. The him is God. This is the will of him, is to finish his works, right? And so we see that, uh, man, that Jesus is starting to break it down, even to his disciples who had been with him three years, and they still didn't understand uh, worship. They still didn't understand the heart of Jesus, right? They were still questioning things. They were still unclear on a lot of things, even why is Jesus spending time with this sinful woman? Why is Jesus even around this lady? He should be over here with the other disciples. Well, see, God loved this lady so much that he needed to send Jesus so that she could have the same opportunity that those disciples have. You know, sometimes we can get that way. We can look down on people. We can feel like, hey, why are you in over there? Or why aren't you in this uh, particular environment? Well, guess what? How are they going to hear the word of God if someone don't go and preach it to them, right? We can't have this higher than thou mentality when it comes to sinful people. Because remember, you and I, we both sat in the same seats that they sat in before someone came and brought Jesus to us, right? We're no better than anybody else. We're just saved sinners. And so God is trying to get everyone to that point. You know, over in John chapter 4, verse 39 through 42, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Now remember, after Jesus told this lady everything about her life, the first thing she did is she repented and she ran back to tell everybody in the village, right? Which is what he calls us to do, right? He calls us to look at our lives but then he also calls us to change and go back and tell everybody else. You know, I, I'm, I'm super encouraged. You know, I, I share this a lot, you know, with the brothers. You know, I remember my wife sharing this with me that when she first learned about, you know, uh, about her sin, the first thing she did is she wanted to go back and she wanted to tell her family about it. She wanted to sit down. Now, sometimes we can make mistakes on how we do it, right? Because we're so excited. We just want to tell everybody how messed up uh, we are and they are. That, that wasn't the point. Jesus didn't do that with her. He just showed her her sin and gave her the opportunity to follow him. That's all God calls us to do. He shows us our sin and he gives us the opportunity to go and help others uh, repent of their sins. But it says in, in verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. People are going to believe in us because of what we say. But now get this. She said, he told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans, in verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. Now remind you, these same Samaritans are the half-breeds that want nothing to do with Jews, right? Because they know that the Jews look down on them. And Jesus was a Jew, right? So here it is. They've heard about him, and now they want to hear more. It says, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. Verse 41, and because of his words, many more became believers. See, it's not us who changed people's lives. It's God's word that changed people's lives. 
right? When we become disciples, man, we want to go back and we want to tell people this and that, and we want to uh, uh, help people. But the way we help people to become disciples is with God's word. That's the only way, right? Our lives should match up to what God's words say. Verse 42, it said, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world, right? You know, is that how uh, we are today? Right. Man, are we showing people God's word so much so that they believe for themselves? Because here it says, hey, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now, what she said was valid. But now they believe because they've seen for themselves. Brothers and sisters, this is why it is so important for us to worship. Right. Because we give people an opportunity to see. God's words for themselves to for them to get to know Jesus for themselves right so is it important that we worship collectively at church on midweeks absolutely but it's also important that man as we are paying homage reverent homage to God everywhere we go people should see that as well right that's why worship can't just be uh, at a certain place it can't just be on the mountain it can't just be in Lehman College. It can't just be, uh, you know, at, at uh, New World High School. Our worship has to go everywhere we go, right? <clears throat> What's his will? What is the will of him who, who sent us? In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for many, right? It says, man, his will is for us to be servants. It says even Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give himself as a ransom, right? And what is a ransom, right? A ransom is something you pay in order to get something else, right? In order to get something back. He says that's what he came for because we couldn't pay it ourselves, so he became that ransom. And so God is calling us to do the same thing, right? There may be prices that people can't pay to get to God, to get back to God. Sometimes we have to help them pay that price. What is that price? That means we have to serve them. That means we have to go beyond our comfort zone and, and pay that price that many people can't pay. That means sometimes we have to give up stuff that we may want, our time, sometimes our money, right, our sleep. We have to give that up so others can have that freedom of knowing who God is. My question today is, are you willing to pay that ransom? What is your sleep? What is your time? What is your money worth to you? Is it worth helping someone else get to know God? In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now question again, what is his will? His will was to seek and to save the lost. Now, many of us, we don't have a problem with helping to save the lost, right? We'll sit on a Bible study anytime. But here it says it's to seek 
the loss as well, which means we have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to get out of our homes. We have to get out of our cars, right? We have to get out of our daily routine so that we can seek, which means to look for. Man, I am actively looking for people, man, who want a relationship with God, who are lost in their sins, right? Why? So that I can help bring them back to God, right? Not so that I can save them, so that God can save them. See, we don't have the power to save anybody, but we do have the power to seek them and bring them back to God so that he can save them. Lastly, in John 6, verse 29, Jesus answered, the word of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent, right? right? God calls us to believe in the one he has sent, to believe in Jesus. It's so important. Right. This is how we we do his will is that we believe in Jesus. We believe in the things he said. Like we just saw this whole town. They started to believe in Jesus so much so that it changed their whole life. They started living differently because of the woman at the well. Right. She went back and told them about Jesus and that started. But then as they got to know him for themselves, that's what changed their lives. See, brothers and sisters, I really believe uh, people will come because of us, but they will only stay because of him, because of Jesus, right? People won't stay at church. Uh, uh, people won't stay in relationships with God because of us. Now, we can be great friends, and I encourage us to be that way. We can have great relationships, but that's not enough to keep me faithful to God. It has to be because I believe everything he said to me. I believe when he said he forgives me and that he separates my sins as far as the east is from the west. Because here's the deal. My best friend can't separate my sins as far as the east is from the west. Right. I believe me. I believe him when he says, you know what? Anything I ask for in his son's name, I will get. Now, I believe that. Right. Because, but there's things I can ask my best friend for that they can't provide. But here's the catch. He didn't say when he'd give it. He just says, you know what, if we believe, we will have it. And so I believe that. Do you? You know, as it said in, in verse 42, it says, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. You know, in order for us to do God's will, man, we have to figure out who Jesus is for ourselves, right? Or what we'll end up doing is we'll end up doing the will of the church leader. We'll end up doing the will of the Bible talk leader. We'll end up doing the will of our discipling partner, right? But you have to take time to find out who Jesus is for you, not who the preacher says he is, right? You have to take time to get into God's word and you have to spend time with God daily the same way these Samaritans did so that you will know who Jesus is for yourself. You know, many of us came to this church for different reasons, right? Some of us came because, hey, man, we wanted to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Some of us came because we were tired of the religious world. Some of us came because, man, the fellowship in this church is electric. People always hugging you, telling you they love you. 
Uh, man, some of us came because, you know what, we had never heard of uh, uh, or we'd never gone to church before in our lives. Many of us came for many different reasons, right? But the question still remains is why are you here? Are you still here because of those reasons or are you here because of your walk and your relationship with God? See, I know I'm here because, man, I know who God is for myself. And God has brought me through some things that nobody else could. God has helped me in times when no one else could. As much as I love my wife and my kids, and I know they love me and they want what's best for me, there were times when only God could help me. My prayer for you this morning is that uh, you allow God to continue to help you. And so as I close here, I just want to leave us with this. You know, the same God that loved Nicodemus, the, the religious guy, um, you know, who was worried about getting rebaptized, right? And worried about why do we need to get baptized? The same God who uh, loved this sinful woman who had uh, been with others, you know, husbands and, and had been living a sinful life. You know, this woman at the well, this is the same God that loves you and I. He loves us the same way he loved both of those guys. So whether you came in religious or sinful or anywhere in between, which is where most of us land, right? Uh, God loves you so, so much. You know, during these challenging times, God is calling the true worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth and to continue to do his will. So brothers and sisters, man, please enjoy this time, uh, this Sunday morning of worship, and remember that we are all true worshipers. To God be the glory. Love you guys.